You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week six of Study the Word 101 on the book of Ephesians. Today's intro teaching is on the study tools of definitions and cross-references. The wrap-up teaching covers Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. All right, so welcome back to our study on Ephesians. And I'm going to give you a couple of, actually I think there's just one announcement. And that is the Women's Brunch that's coming up on November 11th at, from 9 to 11. Now the focus of this is going to be memorizing scripture and some tools on to how to do that. And um, yeah, it says here to, to bring friends and your daughters. That's a really cool, cool thing to be able to do with, with a daughter. I love that. I guess it doesn't matter what age it is a daughter. Like, it doesn't. We said, you know if your daughter find benefit from this, and if you feel like she would, we'd love to have her. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Um, and you would uh, does say to here to register online by the first, which is somewhat coming up. So, all right, so that is our only announcement. So I'm going to put this down and pray to get us started. All right, pray with me. Father God, we um, thank you for this time together. Uh, we thank you for the space to meet and the um, opportunity to come together um, as sisters to study your word. <clears throat> Lord, I just pray that you would be present in our conversations. Lord, would we honor you with what we, um, what we say? And um, Lord, would the conversations be rich and help us to learn more about you? Um, Lord, would you send your spirit to guide and to open our hearts and soften our hearts uh, to, to learn whatever it is you want to teach us today? And so I just, yeah, dedicate this time to you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right, so for this week's study tip, um, Lindsay said last week that we're done in observation and we're going to be moving into interpretation. And so we are going to start off talking about definitions and cross-references. One thing to think about as we move into interpretation is this is probably going to be a little, take a little bit more time, a little more energy, um, a little more work, but... um, beyond just simply observing what the text says, because now we're looking at what does the text mean. So these things might be, take us a little bit more time to do, um, but this is really when true learning um, occurs, and there's a lot of rich stuff that that we can take from scripture um, if we slow down and take the time to do that. So um, when the spirit illuminates a truth, or when we have like a deeper understanding of a concept or a passage, it really can be life-changing, and so um, that is where we are we are headed. So again, definitions and cross-references today. All right, so let me ask you a question to get us started here. Why do you think, we're gonna start with definitions and then we'll go and talk about cross-references. Um, how are looking up definitions, how is looking up definitions helpful? What is it, why is that a good thing to do? This is a real question <laughs> to have an answer. Give a fuller <laughs> understanding of the word. You might know what the definition is, but to see his other synonyms have to be like, oh, maybe yeah, just get more. Yes. More clarity. Exactly. Um, yeah, definitely could underst- un- um, enhance our understanding of that word and then the passage as a whole. Um, also, we may think, like you said, that we kind of already know what this word means, but I don't know. When I go back and look at the definition, I'm like, oh, I never thought about that before. I, or I need to be refreshed in that. Or maybe I just need to see the word in a whole new way. And so going back and looking at the definition can be helpful with that. So what, how do we know which words to look up? Um, when we're thinking of definitions, 
Um, here are some things that you can can be helpful to help you to know what words to find. Define. Um, so far, we've been giving these to you in your homework. We've been giving you words each week. And starting this next week, there will be no words listed there. It'll be up to you to figure out what you would like to look up. Um, and so we do give you some guidance of how to kind of arrive there to figure out which ones to do. Um, and observate, these are all things from observation, kind of, right? So the observation is important. We need to go there first so we know which words then to, to look up. It's a great starting point. So here are some examples, uh, repeated words. You know, so if you see a word over and over again, maybe look those up to make sure you know what they mean. Um, unknown words would be ones that you don't know at all or you just want to have a better idea of, um, you want to learn, learn more about. Sometimes these important words or themes, you might see a word that just seems like it's like, oh, this is where the main point is coming from. I really should take a step back and define that. And then I, I couldn't think of a better word for this. So church words, quote unquote, are the big words that we say and hear all the time in the church. And you're like, do I really know what that means? Or do I, I, I kind of do, but I want to make sure I have a deeper understanding. I know Lindsay mentioned one time about being able to explain it to a child. I kind of always come back to that. Am I able to explain salvation, glorification, justification, all these Asian words that are, we, we hear and say all the time, but do we actually understand what they mean and can we explain it to a young child? So this is where looking up a definition would also be helpful. So once you have your list of words to look up, um, then how do we go about doing that? So here are a couple different ways that you can look up definitions. Um, one, you can look them up simply in the dictionary in English. Um, you can actually have a real live dictionary. I don't know if anyone has those anymore. But yes, that's amazing. I love it. I love it. I actually really love I actually really love being able to open a real book. I really do. So I, I'm with you. Um, so you can look that up in a real book. You can look them up online. There are several places, um, you know, Merriam-Webster or even dictionary.com. You can simply Google a word and you have a definition within seconds. Um, you can also try to formulate your own definition. I would encourage you to try this from time to time. It's a lot easier to get someone else's definition, of course. But if you can try to write something in your own words, it really will help you to learn what that means and really have a deeper understanding. Do I really actually understand this enough to write it out? Um, so that would be your working definition. And then the other place you can go for definitions is looking up other translations. Um, this is super helpful because sometimes in one translation you're reading something and there might be a word that you don't quite understand. If you look at, at it in another translation, it sometimes even half defines the word or gives you a different word. Um, we're having you study this in the ESV in your study journal there. Um, but it is okay and great, actually not just okay, we recommend sometimes looking at different um, translations to see if you can get deep in your understanding. So for example, uh, we had you look up the word callous this week in your homework. And actually, if you would have looked up the um, verse 19 in the NIV, instead of the word callous, it actually says, having lost all sensitivity. So right there, it gives you a definition of the word callous. Um, and so it can very quickly show you um, a, another way to think about it. I personally love this tool. It's one of the things I use most often when I read it in one translation and I'm, not, I'm having trouble understanding, I would um, go to another one and see if I can get a deeper my understanding. Um, yeah, sure. Is there a, a book that would help up, I know what I want to say, many get it out there, 
um, like from Hebrew, because sometimes the Hebrew is a little bit different. Is there like an English Hebrew like dictionary kind of thing? Is there something like that? Yeah, we there are, are books like that. Yeah. We're going to show you an online tool next. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, no, one of the actual book tools, I could tell you about that too after class. Um, okay. But um, yeah, we don't teach that just because online is easier um, yeah. than the books. But absolutely, we will. It's also great to know, like when you look up a word, is it a verb, an adjective? And also, um, where I'm finding mine, I couldn't tell you where. I mean, um, Greek or origin or Latin origin. And that really does help you later on when you come to a word that is similar. Yeah, absolutely. And that is part of all of those things you will be able to find with the research we're going to show you. But also, when you look up a word in the definition in the dictionary to see, yeah, what the, and realize the verb, what is the tense of that or the verb or actually yeah, that kind of thing is, is very helpful. Awesome. That was a great, great addition. Um, you can also, yeah, so we're going to give you one specific tool here in a little bit, but there are different websites, um, like Bible Gateway is one that you can put in a verse and then you can see a transla another translation right beside it. Um, also, they're going to these places will give you some cross references, which is where we're going to head next. <laughs> Actually, good transition. Um, so another key part is of interpretation is in um, looking at these cross references. So when you look up a word or a concept in a different, this is looking up a word in a different part of the Bible. So really using scripture to interpret scripture is one of the best tools that we are going to have. Um, when we have a question, when you have a question about something, we do encourage you to study and look for this in different parts of, of the word to help you answer that question. All of scripture is, is tied together. And so when you do this, when you look at cross references, it can really give you a even deeper understanding of the whole story of the Bible, as well as that exact word or concept that you are, that you're looking at. So there are two different types of cross-references, direct and indirect. Um, direct is one that where the author actually quotes another part of scripture, uh, word for word, like Paul did last week, kind of. <laughs> I guess that was a kind of direct one, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure, that's in the, between the two. Um, and then there are indirect ones, which are probably what you are also familiar with, is when we look have a concept in one passage and we find it in another passage of, of scripture. So, um, where and how do we find these cross-references? Oh, yeah, that's the next part. So you can look in, and I would recommend this, to looking in a study Bible. Now we have told you not to look in your study Bible right away, but when you're looking for cross-reference, this is a great place to go. <laughs> um, your study Bible may, will have cross-references in the margins or possibly in the middle. I don't know what yours actually looks like. Um, but this, or in the footnotes sometimes. So you can look there for cross-references of that, that verse or that idea. Um, you also can try to like think of these verses on your own, and if, but if you're like me, I will like, oh, I've, I remember that somewhere else in the Bible, but I can't come up with the exact reference. So what I do is actually just kind of start Googling the um, part of the verse that, I can, that I'm wanting to go to, and then usually it kind of pops up on there, um, what is that verse in the reference. If it's not the right one, you need to keep searching. But um, you can kind of kind of come up with, as you b build your own literacy of the Bible, um, that will also come with that. And then there are a bunch more of online resources that we are going to talk about that you can use, um, or an actual book 
form as well. Um, so lots of different places that you can find these cross-references. Um, one important thing I wanted to note with the cross-reference is when you do go somewhere else to find this in the Bible, that it is important to make sure you're reading the context of that verse. We don't want to just pull something out just to make it fit our, to help fit what we're trying to do, if that makes sense. So if you're going somewhere else in scripture, read a couple of the verses around it so you're kind of getting an idea of the context there. So the last thing before Lindsay is going to take us through the Bible Hub app, or it's also a website, to give you some more understanding of how to use that. Um, and I'll just put this up there as well. Here are some other online resources that you can use. Bible Hub is one we're going to talk about. Um, Blue Letter Bible gives some, I haven't used that that much. Lindsay, have you used that? I have tried, but I'm just so comfortable with Bible yeah. Hub. <laughs> it's, very, it's similar to Bible Hub. I have that use it, yeah. yeah. Um, Bible Gateway, another one, is a good one to use to, again, find different translations, to find cross-references. Um, and then the last thing I just wanted to mention real quick is this idea of looking something up in the original language. Um, so when we, we do this, just like when you translate from one language to another, uh, we don't always have the exact match word for word. And this is going to happen as well from, from the Greek to our English language. Um, and sometimes when it does translate, we lose some of that rich meaning. Um, so it is, a, it is a good tool to go back and look at the original meaning of a word. Uh, we had, I talked about that a little bit last week with the word dwell, right? Just the dictionary definition is to like live with. But when you looked at the, um, the original Greek, it looked at like your permanent resident. And I feel like that just gives a different type of picture of dwelling. So there can be, there's a lot of rich meaning behind it. It doesn't mean you have to always look at the Greek. This is not gonna, this is gonna be like overwhelming for some people. It is for me too. I just kind of look at the very simple definition of it on some of these um, resources, but it is helpful. So it's not something you have to do, just know that. Um, but it, if you are interested in learning more about a word, I would recommend that as, as, a, as an idea. All right, so that was kind of a quick flyover of definitions and cross-references. So Lindsay is going to help us to understand this Bible Hub resource, and then we'll jump into our table. Okay. If you have a desire to go on your phone while I'm doing this, try not to be distracted by other things, but you can do that. Um, if you go to biblehub.com, it will look slightly different than my computer because I'm using um, a desktop, but it should give you, um, yeah, it might be easier for you to retain what I'm saying if you're doing it yourself as well and kind of following along. Oh no, why is this not showing? had all sorts of technology issues today. Hold on a moment. Do you want to just go back to your old one again? No, I actually think I know this problem. Oh, okay. I think I just need to change something. If need be, that's what I'll do. It's doing it. We're seeing it again. Change it. Okay, good. All right, so here's BibleHub.com. Hopefully that gave you guys some time to get there as well. Um, so this is what it would look like if you would pull it up on um, a desktop, if you're using a desktop. I actually often will use a desktop in the mornings because I try not to get on my phone when I'm reading my Bible because I find it very distracting. My computer is less distracting to me. Maybe you're not that way. Maybe you have work emails coming in here or whatever. But um, this is what it looks like. Um, it has... A lot of resources on it. I'm going to show you how to use a few things. I would not even know all of the various things, but feel free to play around on it. Um, so the first thing um, I'm going to show you is 
the cross references. So let's start there. So here it says parallel on your phone. It's going to be on the second bar on the top and say P-A-R. That stands for parallel. And so when you go down here, now on your phone, um, I'm holding my phone so I can remember what you guys are seeing too. So on my phone, it's going to show me all these things on the left-hand side here first. These are those various translations. So this is really helpful. I don't have to have multiple Bibles out. I can quickly go through and kind of see a comparison side by side of the particular verse that I'm looking at. So let's go ahead and change the verse too. So if you, at the very top, all the way up here, and this will be at the very top of your screen on your phone too, you can change the Bible, uh, the book of the Bible you're looking at. So we'll jump down here to Ephesians. And then it'll automatically go to 1-1, one, one, and then you have to click on 4. We're in 4 today. And then you have to click on the verse. Um, so we'll go all the way down to 4.32. And so here I can see... Um, various translations. So, for instance, in our ESVs, when we look at it, um, it says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Up here in the NIV, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. So, as Casey said, we can kind of see the difference there. And then, if you're on a, on a um, desktop, the cross-references are going to be right here. If you're on your phone, you're going to have to keep scrolling all the way down past the um, translations, and you'll hit cross-references. There is a little tab thing on right underneath the verse that says cross-ref. If you wanted to see that, it goes right down. Oh, see, that's fantastic, Casey. I did not know that. I also want to add real quick, this seems overwhelming at first when you have no idea if you've ever done this before. If you would like to sit down with one of us, like, one-on-one, -on -one, we'd be happy to help, too. Because I know for me, if I was trying to figure this out right now, I'd be like, I'm on your first point. So. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> feel free to slow me down. Yeah. No, no, no. We have to do kind of an overview of it. But if you would like more information, please mm -hmm. let And there's several yes. other women in here that use it. So just let, let anyone know. We can help you. So then here are all of your cross-references. Generally, if there is a direct cross-reference, like Casey said, the um, it's quoting somewhere else in scripture exactly, that will probably show up first. So that will be like your first cross-reference that list, is listed there. And then these indirect cross-references will come under it. Um, this is not an exhaustive list of cross-references. So if one comes to your mind and you're like, it's not on here, so it's probably not right, that's not true. <laughs> so um, there are other cross-references you can find. Even in your Bible, they might list, list them differently. So. If you go down here further, it says the treasury of scripture. They've looked at one particular word and given you a cross-reference for that one particular word. So that's what that is. I see how this would be better on the laptop. Yes, it is a little easier to see on the laptop as well, yeah. Do you do it on the right hand I, I use it on all things. I'll use this even on Sunday mornings. Well, actually, I don't keep my phone on me on Sunday mornings either. But I will use it even when I'm, like, talking to someone to look something up and we're having a conversation about something. Um, so I'll use it on my phone a lot, too. There is an app you can get. Um, it's really just taking you to the web, but it, it displays a little bit easier. Um, so you can grab an app if that's easier for you at the App Store. Again, I can show you that, too. All right, so we're going to go all the way back up to the top. So that's cross-references. Does anyone have a question about that cross-reference piece? So, and now we're going to get into looking at the Greek. So this is called the interlinear, meaning it's going between the English text and the Greek text. 
So on a phone, it's going to say INT, and it's going to be again on that second bar. And this is what it's going to look like. So the first number, um, so before we would have had this online, people would have looked, looked words up in a concordance. A concordance would have every Greek word listed by a number. And so when you look up a Greek word, you're looking for the number so that you could find it in that concordance or dictionary. Does that make sense? So this is what this number is. That's what we're going to be clicking on in a second. Underneath it, it's going to give you a transliteration of that word. So it's going to tell you how you would sort of sound that out um, in letters that you can understand because right below that is Greek and I don't know about you, but I can't read that. So I could have no idea to say like how one of these words are. And if I try to pronounce one, here's an easy one, Christo, right? Uh, Eucharisto. Um, so this gives you a way to kind of pronounce the word that you're looking at. So that transliteration and then Greek. And then they're going to give you a definition. Um, to my knowledge, this is no translation of scripture. They have just chosen a word. I don't know how they do that. There may be a way to find that out. I just never have. Uh, it's not going to make sense. Be now to one another, ten, kind, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. It, it reads choppy because they're just giving you that word. They're not concerned about making it flow in verse form. Does that make sense? So it's not necessarily going to be the word that you see in your um, ESV. You're going to have to try to comparatively find out where that's at in line and then what word makes sense to go with that to know which one to look at. Okay. And then it's going to give you your grammar then underneath that, which we've already talked. I have very little knowledge of, so I won't go into all that. So we're going to click on that number. So we're going to do tenderhearted, which is 2155. Try not to click on that little um, letter that goes with it. You're going to want to hit the number. If you feel like it's too small, you can like zoom in on your phone and make some numbers a little bigger when you click on it. Because it is tiny, and if you click on the wrong thing, it's going to take you somewhere else. I don't know why they make it so little. But the number is what you need to click on. I'm just clicking on this so I can see what you guys have. Okay, so this is that Strong's Concordance. So Strong's Concordance um, is a very reputable concordance. It's what a lot of people would have used prior to the internet. We are very blessed too. I just want to say like this is new guys. This is very new to be able to access this as a lay person to be able to pretty easily find Greek definitions is really cool. So um, I do count that a privilege that we should um, take advantage of if we can. Again, this is not necessary to understand God's word. I want you to feel if this feels overwhelming to you, please let it go. You can still understand it without. Um, but this is really sweet that we can do this. So this is your Strong's Concordance. Um, uh, definition. So again, original word, part of speech, transliteration, phonetic spelling. Okay, and now we get to a definition and usage of the word. So this is um, a very simple definition. So again, we see that ESV chose tenderhearted, NIV chose compassionate. Those are both two different definitions. So again, you could find that just by looking at those two different translations without even going to the Greek, you could see both of those definitions. 
those translators work very hard to choose uh, good words. So um, we can be thankful we have multiple translations. So then I'm going to go down here to this helps word study. So a word study is when you look at one word in the Bible and you go through all of scripture and you look at every time that word is used. So they would have looked at this very specific Greek word every time it was found in scripture. And they're going to create a biblical definition for that word based on all of those references in scripture. So this is a word study. We could do this if we wanted, right? We could go through scripture and grow in our understanding of what a word or a theme would mean throughout all of scripture. But that would take us a long time as part of a like branch off of our study. So they've done this work for us. So um, these are really helpful. They are really helpful biblical definition. And this is where a lot of times you will find that some like um, greater light bulb kind of understanding to a word comes, if that makes sense. So we can go down here and we can see, um, I'm going to skip over some things, but that um, this is... Um, good and it's the visceral organs so properly your visceral organs your bowels as they exercise positive gut level sympathy empathy living with guts how full a definition is that okay I gotta sit and think about what does that mean for a minute right but so this tender-heartedness that is being talked about here it is like a gut level compassion, right? Can we understand that, ladies, right? I feel like this is something the Lord has uniquely gifted us as women with, right? Um, is this gut level understanding of, I am so sorry for what you are experiencing. Um, even a sense of understanding because of my own experiences, I can feel compassion for you. I get it. It's a good type of um, understanding that you're having with that person. So that's where it can kind of increase your understanding. Uh, I can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to be tenderhearted. But when I ask myself, like, am I really being compassionate at a gut level for someone um, that it's affecting me in that way? You know, that's, that's, a harder, that's harder for me to be like, oh, yeah, I got that, right? Um, that really causes me to pause and think. So um, that's where I'm going to stop there. There's another type of concordance, a Greek lexicon. Again, these would be other tools that um, go into kind of forming that definition. But that's going to be the most helpful for you, for you all, um, are those two pieces there. So any questions on that? Went through that pretty quickly. So, And next week, if you're like, I tried this and it didn't make sense, what am I looking at again? Feel free to come and ask us again next week. And just to remind you, that one of the biggest things to get to that point is making sure I know you what you trade stuff is going to say. One more time, it's to click the number. If you click on, yes, if you click that's on word, a good reminder, Casey. That, that number you. is what you have to, in order to get to that screen, you have to click the little tiny, tiny, tiny number tiny that's number. above the word. Not the word. Not the word. Yeah. Because that's not going to take you somewhere else, and then you'll be confused. Yes. So the number is what you're looking to click on. And that strong concordance number. And not all words have that help studies either. Correct. Thank you, Erin. Yeah, not all words are going to have that help study. Sometimes you'll just have that simple definition. Um, yeah, and that's going to probably be based on how prominent that word is throughout Scripture as well. Just that. And I often find it's more on Greek than on Hebrew. So Hebrew would be the Old Testament. Greek is the New, largely. All right. I have in college, so I would not be very helpful to you, likely. Uh,
I wish I had log off. I do not. That's okay. All right. We're going to move into our table discussion. Before we do, we're going to read um, the passage together again. All right, so four, starting in 4.17. Someone want to read this for us? We could just maybe read the whole thing. It's shorter this time. I can try reading the whole thing. Thank you. I don't have the words all like I did the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I do a little bit, but. Um, anyway, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the uh, utility of their minds. Yeah, I do have words there, sorry. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of their heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to uh, sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him, you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed to the spirit, or in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth in his with his neighbor, for we are members of uh, one of another. Sorry, I have words there. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but let um, him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt, uh, corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion that is my, uh, may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as um, God in Christ for you. Thank you. All right, ladies, you can chat at your tables. Um, you can look at any observations you've made, or you could jump right into talking about interpretations as well, um, questions you might have. Um, yeah, we'll again give you a cue if you haven't gotten to interpretation to move that way. All right, ladies, we are going to come back together and talk about this now as a group. So I would love to know what questions you talked about your table. If I write on this board, can, everyone, can you ladies see this board okay? Or would it be better for me to write over there? All right, so what questions did you guys talk about at your table? 
talked about, we asked, um, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great where it says be angry and do not sin what like is it talking about a righteous anger what's the, uh, the background of that goes along with that um, in verse 29 where it says um, uh, as fits the occasion and what, I was wondering what that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why would you say that that 
this is probably referring to non-believing. What gives you that clue? I mean, I guess because I feel like, I mean, and then it made sense, and also because it's referring, it, it Paul goes into more detail about being darkened and understanding and mm -hmm. alienated from the light of God. So if we, as believing Gentiles, have given our lives to God and moved from death to life, then these don't apply to us, even right. though we have sin, but we should not be living in sin as believers. Amen. So, yeah, that's great. Answer the question with the surrounding context. So yeah. we know, obviously, this can't be believers, because mm -hmm. he said earlier, you're no longer alienated and strangers, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, you um, have received Christ. So, great. All right, so let's go with that for that one. Um, so what is this spirit of your mind? Where is that word choice? Verse 23. Verse 23. So, it says in verse, I'm going to read 22. <clears throat> to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So what it, does it mean to be renewed in the spirit of your minds? What is the spirit of your mind? Well, I thought it as uh, made new of your your attitudes. Mm -hmm. mm. How did you come to that? I probably read it from one of my crop my not my study Bible, or New American. I and I mean, I don't even know. I just like what you have done. I just read another version and I put in the words. Sure, yeah, from other versions. Awesome. So make make your attitude new. Any other thoughts? If you go back to um, chapter <clears throat> chapter three, verse sixteen, it says, um, "Grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in in your inner being." Mm -hmm. So that's what I thought of with the spirit of your mind is your your inner being. It's interesting that it uses uses spirit there, the spirit yes. in that verse, and this one says the spirit. Yeah, do you know, I was gonna say, do you notice the yeah, yeah the change there that the um, translators gave us to just kind of clue us in to yeah. um, they would be suggesting that this is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be capitalized with an S, mm -hmm. at least in the ESV. I don't know if this is true of all translations. Um, so when when they use a lowercase like that, so they're yeah, so if you look this one up in the Greek, since we just talked about this, you notice it's the same word um, that is used both in both ways, but the translators have decided that um, it's likely that that's what that means, and so they're cueing you into that um, point. So your inner being. Any other thoughts? Make new of your attitudes that this is referring to your inner being. How does the Holy Spirit fit together with our spirit? When the Holy Spirit is well, he's doing a lot of making us understand what um, Christ, you know, the will of God, and, and because you can't, I mean, 
I didn't grow up in the church. So when you're reading some of this the first time, it does not make sense. It's like, what are they saying here? I'm an educated person. <laughs> Maybe I'm not so educated. I mean, but then, you know, the Holy Spirit's worked in my life, and I have much richer and deeper understanding of what Christ has done and what God's will is. Not perfect, but I'm getting there. So, yeah. No, I'm not getting to perfect. Yes. No, you are. You're increasingly getting towards perfect. Even though you want to ride if you're on there. Your question had been, how is the Holy Spirit, what would you say? How is the Holy Spirit interrelated with our spirit? What's the connection there? I think as we draw closer to the Lord and we grow in our understanding of the Bible, but the Holy Spirit is wrapped up in how we think, how we see, how we do. And so, um, in naturally and not even subconsciously, the more we grow close to the Lord, the more in tune we are to the Holy Spirit. And so our, mm-hmm. our mind is slowly becoming changed because the Holy Spirit so good. is working mm-hmm. through us. It's yes. just it's just part of us the more we become Amen. sensitive to it. Amen. And I like that he I mean points out the mind and really like as people, our mind like without our mind, you know, like that is what, I mean, we are driven by a lot of other things, but without our mind, we could do nothing. Like our mind is really what tells us to do all things. And so I think there's... I'm talking about knowledge and wisdom, and then also ignorance feels very cognitive to me, not... Yeah. So yeah, just all very... Yeah, our desires grow in our mind, which to me is very connected to our spirit and um, what we long for. I don't even know how to sum that up. Yeah, it's a spirit even at creation, right, that breathes life into us, too. And it's the spirit's work that then is making us new and, um, yeah, giving us this change, this renewal. So even though it's, um, this is not the spirit, the Holy Spirit in our mind, um, it is the Holy Spirit's work that is, is doing that. So what about verse 26 here? Um Anger, what is he talking about? He says, be angry, right? Is this your question with this? Like, why is he saying be angry? How many times do we find that in scripture? And then he says, be angry, but in your anger, do not sin. So what does that mean here? It's okay to get angry, but not to go ahead and, you know, explode on somebody and not represent Christ. Right. So anger is not inherently sin. Right? If he's separating the two and he's saying be angry, but do not sin. God's got anger do not be angry. I've got angry. Right. I just taught this to second graders yesterday mm-hmm. um, about this <laughs> idea. Um, I asked them, is it okay to feel angry? And some are like, no. You know, but I'm like, yeah, yes, it's okay. It is natural. But I'm not, I, so I would say that all feelings are okay, but all actions are not. Um, is how I kind of briefly teach it to kids, like, what's okay to be angry, but what are we doing with that anger? And that's when it can become sin. What is anger? It's like a feeling that something's not right. Feeling that something's not right. My mom will tell you, who's a therapist? (laughs) (laughs) Anger is a secondary emotion. It is a reaction to something else that has happened. Um, So an injustice or um, a hurt, it is a a secondary emotion. And so getting down to the core of what's happening is, am I angry because my heart 
hurts from what sin is doing to someone else. Because mm-hmm. um, that's okay to be angry about because it's not how God intended right. it to be. Um, the Lord got angry and flipped tables, right? Like, or Jesus got angry and flipped tables. Um, which, like, I'm not saying we should flip tables, but, like, he got angry because this is not how the Lord intended it. Um, and so. so you have to see what am I feeling is undressed. And is that, is that right? Like, is my desire right there? What am I hurt about? Not if you heard about it, that's great. That's super helpful. So, so then when should we be angry? I felt like the fact that it's talking about all of the things that we're supposed to take off, we're supposed to be angry that we're still doing those things. Mm, that's a really good point. You know? that it's not appropriate to be building each other up? But it was like, 
So to me, that was an occasion where, I'm not saying I did the right thing, but I don't know that if I would have spoke Jesus in that situation, if it would have, you know, been humble. Yeah. So yeah, there's a wisdom that we need to have when we're interacting with other people. It brings to mind the pearls before slime, that there is occasions where our words are going to land in a way that is helpful, and I think there's occasions probably to pray, right? So like if I'm not saying, or if I feel like I can't say something, then it's probably an occasion to ask the Spirit to move um, or convict me if I should be doing something differently, for sure. Any other thoughts? It does say in the NIV, <laughs> which is very different, that I, it sounds very different to me, but um, it said, yeah, do not let any, I'll start from the beginning, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. That's according to their needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that may look different in different situations. Right, right. And applies relationship. Yeah, yeah, it implies that you're not just giving information, but that you're... There's an understanding. Yeah. And it's, the motivation is what, what they need, not what you yeah. want to bring. Just justice. I had, now this is a long time, but when, when um, I taught, you know, before we locked the doors, okay, and you didn't have to go to the main office, um, I had a parent walk in from the back door, grabbed her child from PE, because I had said, you know, he's not doing his work at, at home. And she was so angry. And you could hear from the long corridor that he was like crying like, <gasps> and she was so angry. And then I was angry that mm-hmm. teachers were closing their doors. And, and then I was scared when she was coming in to, you know, give me a piece of her mind. And, and then I just said, Lord, just please be with me to say the right thing. And then I had a calm come over me. And he told me to whisper. And so when I was whispering, she couldn't hear. So she had to come in closer and closer. And this is not me. This is Lord, Holy Spirit working. And then, a natural whisper. Yeah. And then, then she calmed down. And then we could have a conversation. And I said, please let your son go back to Haiti. And we can have this conversation. And I, I mean, in that, like, my anger, normally my anger would like, how dare you do this to your own child? in front of his whole PE class and the teachers. I mean, because I can get I can get angry quickly. So Yeah, we need the Spirit's help to decide what fits the occasion to And I was, you know, angry at my coworkers for everybody just closing the door. <laughs> I mean not, not like, okay, we're very Of this conversation, it sounds like what what a lot of we're saying is that we want to be slow to anger too, and like that. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of evidence in the scripture to say that it's okay to be angry, but um, so much of our anger is so quickly provoked, and rightfully so too, because so many things in the world are not right, and 
So like, of course we would be quick to anger in our flesh because we live in a world where like constantly everything's not right from like these big things where moms are pulling their kids forcibly out of school to like the van door won't shut to, like, mm-hmm. I didn't get my Chick-fil-A order right. What then? Yeah, just like what kind of people are we going to be though? Yeah. Are we going to, how quickly are we going to allow that to swell up in us? And that's sort of what and I agree with. And do we have time to even ask for the Spirit's help to decide? Yeah, and I can reflect now after years, you know, why why was I put in that situation? What was it? And, you know, and it calmed her down. And, and the thing is, I asked my principal that she was having another son come up the next year, and I said, please, I, I really have been challenged this year with this parent, and can I have a break and not have this other individual? Nothing about the sons, that they're great, and, and she said yes, but then on my roster the next year, um, I had her other son. And I went to Dr. Storm and she goes, I'm sorry, she really likes you. And she requested you. She requested you. And I'm like, she requested me? I'm like, so God works there. So, I mean, I can sit back and look at that now. You don't get your answers always immediately. Yeah, amen, that's a kindness. So what, this is a big question, we don't have too much time. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? It does not, in fact, mean we are sad about the Holy Spirit, but instead making the Holy Spirit sad. Which, if you didn't look into it further and like look up other translations and the background of that, I think it's easy to think like we are sad about the Holy Spirit. Did you have any other transitions by chance if you don't this time? Oh, I do. Um, <laughs> I had, once I had written down, um, the New Living Translation, uh-huh. says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Sarah, that's a good word. And then the Common English Bible just says, don't make the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. And then there's a ton more, obviously, but tough. Any others? Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one. I just have to find it. Um, to willfully thwart his leading, mm-hmm. to push him aside. Mm-hmm. There you go. What did that make you think of in his, um, in what he does? Like what, what are we pushing away? His, his guidance or his ability to bring us closer. Mm-hmm. Right, because that is his role, which we talked about earlier. So I have from accomplishing what God wants us to do.
but I hope they were sweet at your table. Um, so these are the taglines we've had so far. So just kind of to review here. The first week we talked about our spiritual blessings in Christ, all that we have received because we are united with Christ, all the work of the Trinity. And then we moved into Paul's prayer that we would truly know and understand this gospel truth. Um, and the impact um, that it has for us. And then he gave us a description of that gospel. And then we moved into the mystery revealed that now, um, in God's providence, he is not only saving the Jews, but the Gentiles as well, revealing his glory. And then we talked about walking as one in Paul's prayer, um, that we would know the love of Christ, and that love would spill out to one another as we um, build each other up. And then today, I titled this one, um, Life in Christ. What does this look like to live our lives in and united to Christ? So once again, we started with a connecting word. We started with a now. And that now goes back to um, chapter 4, verse 1, where uh, Paul is talking about walking worthy. Right? And you remember, last week, Casey told us that we have moved from theology, um, all that um, we know to be true of God, into practical living. How do we live in light of who God is and what he has done? So we're continuing in that idea of practical living here in chapter 4. And so Paul's urging the Ephesians church, under the Lord's authority, to walk worthy. And last week, we talked about that corporately, what it means to walk as one, as a church, and now we're going to talk about that more individually. What does it mean for us individually um, to be walking worthy of the gospel? But before he talks about what this walking looks like, he tells us what it should not look like, that we should not be walking as the Gentiles do. And so we talked a little bit about why is he using this word Gentiles? Wouldn't it seem more appropriate to use sinners right here instead of Gentiles? Um, but he is talking to this Gentile audience, and he's not telling them that they're going to cease to be Gentiles, but rather, uh, as you're living in a world among Gentiles, they're still going to be living in the same places that they've come from. They should not be living as the Gentiles do. We could change this to Americans, right? We ought not to be living as the typical American lives. We're still Americans, but our identity is first and foremost in Christ. And so um, that's kind of why he's using that. So how, how do the, the Gentiles live? Well, they live in the futility of their minds. They're aimless. It's this idea of being meaningless. Uh, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes talks about how all of life is meaningless. They're living without purpose. They've darkened their understanding. They've closed themselves off to God. Um, and if you remember, in chapter 2, we had all of these words to describe what the Gentiles were like before they came to Christ, what the Ephesian church that are Gentiles, what their life looked like. And he used words like alienated, strangers, no hope, 
right, without God. And so this is what he's talking about. This is still the state that these Gentiles find themselves in. And why is this? Well, it tells us that they have hardened their hearts and become calloused. We didn't talk about this, but what does the word calloused mean? I guess Casey gave us a little stronger definition, right, of that. So have you ever gotten calluses on your feet? I have a lot of calluses on my feet because I love to walk barefoot. Um, And a callus is like this hard protective layer of skin that you form so that you're not sensitive to pain, right? So I can walk across the rocks without it hurting my feet. When I was a little girl, I used to love to pick at my calluses. Yeah, so gross, sorry. But I would actually stick a needle in my calluses, and it amazed me. You did that too? <laughs> we didn't grow up in the same house. We're just sister in um, I was amazed that I could stick a needle in that skin, because I was real squeamish with pain. I could stick a needle in that skin, and it would not hurt, and that amazed me. Well, that is what the Gentiles have done to themselves. They've numbed themselves to God, right? They're no longer um, feeling convicted by their sin. They don't feel that prick. Um, They're not moved by God's revelation of himself. They've created this hard protective layer over themselves so that they cannot um, see the Lord for who he is. And the text tells us that this numbness to God, what it leads to is a seeking of sensuality. Did you notice the language of being greedy to practice every kind of impurity? It's this idea of wanting more, of not being satisfied, but continually longing for more. They want to feel something. And that's because we are people who are made with affections and desires. We can try to stifle those desires or we can try to empty ourselves of those desires so that we do not feel something, but that is not what our restless hearts long for. St. Augustine famously said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And so we come to another big but, right? A transitional moment. But this is not the way that you learned Christ and were taught in him. Notice again that language of being in Christ, right? Being united with him. And so just as we saw that alienation from God is going to lead to sin and all kinds of unrighteous acts, now we're going to see that being found in Christ, um, being close to God, is what is going to lead to righteousness and holiness. And we can grow in this closeness with the Lord. And this is something that the Spirit continues to do a work in us. And Paul um, is going to give us three steps to this process. I think I have, oh no, I don't have another slide. I'll leave this one up. So he's going to tell us to put off our old self, to renounce it, to lay it aside. It it promises us fulfillment, the old self does, but really its desires are deceitful and it is unsatisfying. It leads to emptiness. He tells us to instead to renew our minds. And there's a lot of great words you can look up in Greek this time. I feel like these application sections are really full of enlightening Greek words. But if you looked up this idea of renewal, what you would find, it's this ongoing, kind of going higher and higher, deeper and deeper into this understanding. And then he tells us to put on the new self, 
which is created in the likeness of God. And in the Greek, to put on literally means to clothe yourself. So does this likeness of God and this clothing remind you of anything? Reminded me of Genesis 1, 1 to 3. And the Lord is so kind, right, that we've been in those chapters um, on Sunday morning. So they are fresh in my mind. And we saw that at creation, the Lord gives us this image, this likeness of himself, right, so that we can reflect his glory. But what happens at the fall is that it's marred. And we see that we are naked and we feel ashamed. But God is kind to us, and in his mercy, he sends us Christ. And now, through the work of the Spirit, we can literally put that image on, right? We can grow back into that image that we were created for. That is so sweet. And this is what it means to be a Christian, right? It means that we are no longer seeking um, our own identity, seeking our own desires, seeking to live for ourselves. But rather, what we're doing is we are seeking Christ. Right? We are seeking his identity in us. And this should have massive impact for every area of our lives, not just what we do on a Sunday morning, but every space in which we find ourselves. So what does this look like? Paul's going to go on to tell us. He gives us all of these examples. Don't lie, but speak the truth in love. We aren't to be silent, but when we speak, we are to be people that speak truthfully and loving. He tells us to be angry and not sin. We talked about this before. We didn't touch on this, but it says to not let the sun go down on your anger. And I used to think, okay, I can't go to bed when I'm still angry. But I think that the deeper understanding here is not to let our, our anger endure. Sometimes I need to get rid of it prior to bedtime. Sometimes it does take longer than bedtime, but I'm not to allow it to take root in my heart so that it breeds sin in me. Uh, don't steal, but rather be generous. We are not to be greedy for ourselves, but rather the opposite of that is that we are to be generous people um, that are, are willing to give. Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouth, but rather words of grace. I love where we landed here with uh, the ability to recognize what does this person need? What would be gracious to them? Where can I meet them where they are at and speak? life like Christ does to us, right? How often does the Lord, we were talking about that, you're talking about this in your example, right, in your life, where the Lord gave you uh, gracious words, right, in the moment. Um, so how can we be doing that for others? Do not uh, be angry or bitter, um, wrathful, clamor, slander, but rather be tender-hearted and forgiving. I think it's sweet here that these things all imply to me that you are being sinned against, right? So in order to forgive someone, it means that I have been sinned against. And what is my natural tendency? It's anger, bitterness, and wrath. It's to be God. It is to uh, take his justice into my own hands. But what I'm supposed to do is to image God in Christ. I am supposed to forgive and be tenderhearted just as Christ forgave me. I love that Paul doesn't just tell us what not to do, but he also tells us what to do. I think sometimes we can focus too much on don't do this, don't do this. But if we put our effort into these positive pieces, I think we're going to find that there isn't as much room for the other side of it. In the middle of this, Paul just tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. 
So we talked a little bit about this. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit, right? To make the Spirit sad. And why would, um, why would these actions cause the Spirit to grieve? Well, it's because the Spirit's role in our lives is that work of making us like Christ. We talked about this already. He is also uniting us one to another. And so when we're sinning against um, our brother, our sister, we're working in opposition. I think someone else said that too. We're pushing him away. We're working in opposition of him. And this grieves him. And it ought to grieve us, right? We talked about that too. It ought to grieve us as well. So what do we do if we find that we feel grief over our sin, if we feel convicted by this list and find ourselves on the left-hand side? I know I often do. We start by asking the Lord for help, right? So Lord, would you help me, right? Sometimes in the moment, this is all I can pray. pray. Like Literally, I will out loud to my kids be like, Lord, help me. Um, so ask him for help, right? It has to start with the Spirit's work. We cannot clothe ourselves on, the, on our own. This has to be the Spirit doing this. And then I would encourage you to ask yourself, what am I desiring? What am I desiring instead of the Lord? We talked about this a bit with anger, right? Actually think about what is under this emotion. And is it... Am I seeking the things of the Lord, or, or am I desiring something more in line with the Gentile way of living? Um, and then this is this three-step process that we do as a believer, right? We repent. We put off um, our old self, um, and we repent to the Lord. And then we turn to Him, and we renew ourselves in the spirit of our mind. And how do we do this? We... Rehearse God's attributes to ourselves. Lord, what do I know to be true of you in this moment? And sometimes, I don't know about you, but this can feel like, oh, how do I do this in a moment of being like angry? It just feels so hard. So, and I don't always feel like when I'm rehearsing these attributes of the Lord, like, is this actually going to help me? But do it anyway. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you, like the spirit does move. He is a real active um, living source of help for us. And so... Um, lean into this process and trust him to do the work even as you just obey. So rehearse God's attributes to yourself. Remind yourself of the gospel. Rehearse the gospel like we started out here um, in Ephesians. Um, This can be through scripture, right? Maybe turning to scripture if you have the time to do that. If you don't, this is where memorized scripture can come in really clutch for us, right? And it can be a sweet thing where Here's a plug for the November brunch, right? So uh, to have those things readily available to you, to recall them to your mind. Um, And uh, sometimes also I find here all that I can do, especially I told you I struggle with anger, and it feels so all-encompassing. I have found that listening to the Psalms, specifically um, just the Psalms set to music, is scripture just kind of absorbing into me when I feel like, Lord, I can't, I just don't want to make that step towards you. Like, I I just can't. It's a very passive way to be able to do that, and I have found that has really turned my heart um, towards him. And then obey. Put on the new self. And ladies, this is not always something we feel, right? Sometimes the Lord is kind, and right away my heart feels um, that I, like I'm walking in obedience out of a response. But other times, I am walking a little bit begrudgingly, but I am still asking the Lord to change my heart. So we don't always need to feel ready to obey in order to obey, right? And so um, we want to put on the new self. All right, so let me pray for you guys. 
Heavenly Father, um, we come before you and we thank you um, for all that you have done, for who you are, Lord, that you are a tender-hearted, forgiving God. Lord, we need that. We need your mercy. Oh Lord, be merciful to us. And Lord, um, would we be reminded as we interact with those around us um, to image you. Lord, would your spirit help us to do that? Would you clothe us in the new self by the work of your spirit? Lord, we thank you that we can come 70 times seven and you will continue to forgive us time and time again. Lord, we thank you that this um, process of renewal is one that goes on and on, that we grow um, deeper and deeper into you. Lord, I think of the prayer in Ephesians 3, Lord, that we would grow and our knowledge of how high and how wide and how deep is your love. And Lord, I so often see in my own life that it is through this cycle of repentance that I grow in my depth of understanding of how much you love us. Lord, um, your love is never ending. And so we thank you for that. And we ask that you would do this work in us um, as your people. Would we glorify you in all that we say and do? Lord, would you bring this scripture to mind practically for each one of us this week, Lord, that we would be reminded to turn to you, um, to repent and ask for forgiveness. Um, we thank you um, for all of these things. It's in your precious son's name that we pray. Jesus Christ, amen.